Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. And you know what, Luke? It's time to jam. That's right. I should have known you were going to do that. Come on Dan and slam. At it. And welcome to the we're... jam. It's Space Jam time, everybody. Okay. We're doing a Space Jam themed warm up. First, let me just say, uh, we've we've read through Deadhouse Gates. So that's what this episode will be about. But first, we're big, long time uh, LeBron and Space Jam fans mm-hmm. here. Super and... long time. Yeah. <laughs> Space Jam 2 newly out Mm -hmm. have not seen it yet neither have i so i think for our warm-up we're just going to come up with a few predictions yes for what we're looking for not not what not what we're looking for because i don't want to say that for one of mine but um (laughs) but what we think what we think they've put into this new space jam movie for the new generation right you know Mm -hmm. um right off the bat this is good. this is a prediction I'm making, okay? I think uh, from the trailers I've seen, there's a basketball game that happens. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense that they have LeBron in it. I think in this basketball game, it's a similar vibe to the original Space Jam. You know, maybe they're getting kind of beaten by whoever they're playing, by whatever demons they're playing this time. And I think... As they're like about to go back onto the court, LeBron just looks dead in the camera. And Bugs Bunny is like, hey, LeBron, you got any of that like special stuff? You know, the special stuff that really helps us perform. And LeBron, all the whole time looking straight down the camera, it just says, no. There's no special stuff. Say no to drugs. <laughs> I was going to say, this is very specific, but now I get it. Um, yeah, I think that's a great, great message. LeBron's great message not doing steroids on the set of Space Jam, okay? Right. We can't even joke about right. that, all right? There's no special stuff, okay? It's just hard work. It's practice. It's getting out on the court, practicing free throws, practicing layups. It's practice. It's it's blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No special stuff. We're getting rid of that. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think the what? Or, okay, my first prediction is there's gonna be so on our on our team, mm-hmm. or maybe just in the whole game. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be. I'm gonna set the over under at four for mm. this. Okay. There's gonna be four characters that look like they have no business playing basketball and are going to be terrible. Uh-huh. But then there's going to be a little a little trickaroo <laughs> where they actually are really good. Right, where they find their strengths and they realize like a little kung well, no, fu no. panda moment. Is that what you're saying? I mean more like there's I'm not going to do I'm not going to do any examples because I don't want to do like a specific prediction. Mm-hmm. But there's like let's say there's uh, a little mouse you're like, no way, he's good at basketball. And then, but like, there's a little break in the game where the mouse does something super amazing. And okay. You're like, oh, the mouse is super good at basketball. Okay, yeah. There's going to be at least four of them. At least four. Ooh. I think four is a little high, but there's going to be at least three. Yeah. So Okay, so I set the over-under at four. I'm going to say going under. under. I'm going under for sure. Okay. Um, apparently, now this is according to some stuff I was reading online. I, don't, I haven't verified this myself. Apparently... 
the girl bunny in the original one was too hot, so they toned down the hotness in this one. Um, I'm going to say to make up for it, there is going to be, uh, maybe Bugs Bunny is doing a TikTok meme for the, to get the kids out to see this movie, and there's just a, a little bit of scrote that peeks out of his basketball shorts. Ooh, okay. <laughs> there's just a little, and it's, ac- it's totally accidental, it's not meant to be sexual, but the animators were like, I mean, he's an old we bunny. Right. We gotta throw an Easter egg in. Right, exactly, exactly. Because they took out the apparently sexy girl bunny because the fans okay, were too excited about it. This is very unfortunate because my next and last prediction revolves around this. <laughs> it's, it's got to. It's got to, sure. So I have not seen the online, the discourse. Um, and so my take was that the previous sexy bunny was so successful Mm. that they're going to lean in and really play to the furry crowd um, to try to cash in on those tickets, that merch. That was my guess. I was thinking that they would lean in. I see. So I actually like this take much more than my accidentally nutsack slip from Bugs Bunny. I think that that makes so much more sense for the marketing team to just... Okay, Sure, you have one sexy bunny character. Make them all sexy. Right, that's like, yeah. Right. That's the whole thing. Right, yeah. We make them all sexy. And then if the parents complain about it, it's like, what are you talking about? They're animals. What do you mean they're sexy? Yeah. They're just... That's a you problem. That's a it's you problem. It's kind of weird for you to think that. Yeah, okay, sure. The A bunny doesn't have two human-sized breasts. That's not how bunnies work. Sure, but this is animation, okay? We're having some fun here. This is for kids. But, right. But to like, you know, there's all of these, these big movies, they make a character based on merch, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. You've got the little screaming guys from the new Star Wars, the little screaming birds. The minions? Uh, you've got baby Yoda. And we're going even sexier bunny for the furry, big consumer furry crowd. Sure. Sure. Yes. Yeah, but it's not just the the girl bunny, right? It's like all of them. Every, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it, all of it has to be all of them. All of the characters are sexy. All of them are sexy now. Is yeah. Our, is our take. And there's a moment where LeBron is like, oh, damn. Actually, though, kind of hot, right? And looks at the camera a little bit. I want a scene where LeBron looks at the camera. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you want. That's all I want. Last prediction I'm going to make is that there is going to be uh extremely traumatic scene where all of our good friends bugs bunny and uh, whoever else the warner brothers have in their lineup daffy duck's not in there right that's a that's another one whoever their guys are whoever those guys are they're gonna find a big um secret underground lab where they're constantly just cloning these creatures because it's been like 30 years since space jam came Ooh. out and a bunny would have not lasted this long Ooh, we're going dark yeah and it's just going to be this really dark scene and lebron's going to be like i don't really know what to do de- i don't know how to deal with this guys <laughs> i'm just here to play basketball space jam 2 has a dark turn yeah two-thirds of the way through exactly exactly yeah all of a sudden 
all of a sudden all the characters are playing for their life. Because <laughs> if they don't play well enough, eh, we'll make a new Space Jam in 20 years and uh, your clones will be the ones trying. I think I think that's probably in there. Um, I hope so. It does seem like the vibe. I hope it's in there. Um, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to get around to watching it, Luke. Um, partly because... Uh, I don't really want to go to a movie theater right now. I've kind of gotten very into, like, not going to movie theaters. Dude, see, this is interesting because I actually want to go to a movie theater right now. Yeah, I'm kind of over it. You're over I I will say, not to get too far into this, I always didn't like going to movie theaters. But now for some reason I want to. See, hmm. It's interesting the things you miss, right? This was not one of the things I missed. One of the things I missed, and then we're moving on. Going to a bar. I didn't really love that too much before the pandemic. Now, though, I'm getting hype to go out for a happy hour. Okay. You haven't done that yet. Uh, I did it this weekend. Oh, nice. It was incredible. Okay. Changed my life. <laughs> let's talk okay, about let's... the book. Yes, please. <laughs> let's talk about Dead House Gates, which we have finished. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. This ending. We'll, we'll talk about the ending. I got to throw this in here right now, though. Steven and his endings are like, just everything comes together, and it's mm-hmm. terrible and wonderful at the same time. It's like a lot. I, it's a lot right. that happens at the end. It's a lot that happens at the end. I will say, well, we'll talk about it more. Yeah. We'll talk about it more yes. later. Yeah, we got to get to it, Dan. I think, okay. Slow us down, Luke. I've, I first want to say... Throughout this book, and especially like this section, I think, mm. in in Coltane's group, I've had a rough time. The chain of dogs. The chain of dogs. Mm. It's been tough. Um, and like everyone's being super, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> super like spiritual. Sure. We're, we're. Anyway, they're getting in um, touch with like the larger issues, the bigger things in life and being very, but also being very depressing the whole time. Very depressing the whole time. I just got to think more so than the ones that we have seen. There's got to be some like really melodramatic people that are loving it, like not loving it, loving it, but like really taking the opportunity to do their whole melodramatic thing there and good for them there are some emo teens that are like so hype with what is going on (laughs) right those are the ones that got sent with the refugees and honestly you know they claim it was because they want their clans to continue on afterwards and these warriors are all pissed that they're getting sent away and not doing the fighting when they go to Aren. I feel like the rest of the squad was just sick of these emo goth teens being like constantly talking like uh, Duiker is. Right. Because Duiker is also, I think Duiker is one of these emo teens because he is constantly talking about how empty he is, how nothing else is left inside him. And it's like the first time, wow, that's a pretty big thing to say. And then another bad thing happens. He's like, just when I thought there was nothing else that could have emptied me out further, this <laughs> this did it. I have nothing left. It's like you already had nothing left. Come on. Right. Yeah. He's for sure. He's for sure one of them. That's what makes him a good writer, a mm-hmm. good historian. Dan, I think that's so. true. 
you gotta keep that's true. you gotta keep that in mind um but yeah there's i the camp has got to be split into the like weird boys the sappers and and their like uh-huh. that are like surprisingly not bothered by everything and everyone else who is like ready to just take full advantage of all of the I've, I'm phrasing things poorly because this is a terrible experience. Yes. Um, but it's an opportunity mm-hmm. to... To sound very cool. To sound very cool. It's a yes. dramatic opportunity, right? It's like a... Like, there's so much drama that is happening on this journey that, like, if you're into drama even a little bit, you're a little hyped, I think, right? You're like, hey, there's going to be a bunch of stories told about this, Right. You guys right, know we're gonna sure. we're gonna be like legends after this, right? Oh, it's gonna be sick, but also this sucks. Uh <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> the other part about one of the other parts about this journey that got me incredibly hype was well, maybe not hype. I kind of laughed at this moment. I don't know if it was because it was funny or not. I'm trying to decide. So okay. they are about to cross one of the many rivers that they cross. But this is the mm-hmm. run where uh, an envoy has come to the camp and been like, hey, let your refugees cross first. We're going to let them go. We're totally chill. And then we'll fight you as like an honorable battle. And Coltane is like, yeah, you're not. I know you're not going to do that. So nobody right. gets to go. And then they go anyway. And the scene that had me chuckling was Duiker makes it to the other side and he they're getting attacked by archers in the woods and he just like yells out to the refugees refugees and he's like go kill them and before he even <laughs> finishes saying it they like run out of the river and just like swarm through the forest ripping apart archers with their bare hands the scene that i'm painting is not a funny one but just the right. scene of these like tired and like have nothing left to lose people just getting rallied to run out and go nuts by like ripping a bunch of people to shreds because they just have nothing left to lose was right. funny for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I'm going to give us a pass for, since this is such a depressing book, I'm going to give us a pass for like thinking things are funny. Um, I don't know if I can do that. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> the This whole scene... I got to imagine that all of the people in the in the the bad guys group mm-hmm. or throughout the second half of this battle are like, oh, no, <laughs> because the plan, right, was initially like, hey, we're going to get this bridge and we're just going to slaughter them all. Yep. They're yeah. going to fight back at all because they're just refugees. And then the bridge like travels down. And you gotta just imagine they're like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. Hey, do they look a little mad to you? First of all, you know how many refugees, roughly, yeah. there are? Yeah. I don't know how many people are on this bridge bridge shooting arrows, mm-hmm. but you need the amount of people that are on the bridge times X arrows per person to like get all the refugees. Yes. Otherwise, you're going to get there 
and there's going to be more refugees. So I actually, when I was reading this section, I wrote down this as a note, and then we got to the point where they ran out of arrows, and I was like, okay, thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen. Why would they ever think that was a good idea in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, the scene was wild. It's also, I think part of the reason it was so funny to me was because of how, like, kind of obvious and unexpected it was at the same time. Like, of course, these people are so desperate. Of course, as soon as one person's like, hey, we can fight them, they're going to be like, oh, hell yeah, let's just do that. Like, let's just right. immediately, no question, yeah, we're going to take that option and we're going to go super wild with it. Like, I, I, in a way, they've kind of like cornered a wild animal to a certain extent. Like, you have to imagine they're not just going to lay down their weapons and sit patiently while you nail them to crosses but that's that's at the end of of this so we'll get there later but um yeah you have to imagine they've been walking for so long they're gonna put up a little bit of a fight right like they're not just gonna be like yeah i did spend the last six months with like blisters all over my feet and no water but I am going to let you just kill me like you've been trying to do the whole time because, like, eh, I'm kind of over it. I mean, I will say I don't think that I, – I forget the guy's name, but the, like, leader of this army, like, really cares like Dom, how many people like he loses. Like Kalam Dom, I think, is something something like that. Some Something like that. So maybe, like, the thing that we're making fun of them for of not having enough arrows. Maybe he's like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I'm just I'm just trying to kill as many innocents as possible. I don't really care if a lot of my guys die too. Right. Like they outnumber them three maybe it was five to one. They they've been outnumbered. The chain of dogs has been outnumbered literally this whole time by a factor of at least three, I think, in all of these engagements. Right. So I imagine the other commanders have gotta just be like, just kill them. Just kill them all. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. Right. But can you imagine so if you're put in a situation, let's let's imagine that the people on this bridge that are shooting arrows at the refugees, mm-hmm. they're like aware that they're going, they're probably going to die, mm-hmm. which is like the case for a lot of people in a lot of battles, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. But normally, <laughs> if you're put in a situation that you're fighting in a battle and you're like, I'm probably going to die, you would hope that that would be for like, a good reason where it's like hey yeah you might die but we're here saving this city or we're protecting our families Uh right right not yeah you might die but at least you get to murder a lot of innocent people while you're at it (laughs) that seems like a bad motivator (laughs) but think of all the women and children you'll have taken with you right oh well when you put it that way yeah sounds great yeah, I mean, not a great look for a lot of the... I mean, the apocalypse, we said it last episode. The apocalypse, this is terrible, y'all. We need, It's a PR disaster, uh, and you're, you're never going to recover from this. And I think... How are we, are we pronouncing it? Shake? Shayek? I was saying Shayek, but... Shayek sounds good. I think Shayi kind of recognizes this at the end of like, oh, you did what? 
hold on. You did what to all you ten thousand of them? And you line them up all along this road. Oh, this is a bad look. It's a very bad look. It's too much. <laughs> um It's way too much. His his motivation for it this is later, but we but since we're talking about it. Yeah. His motivation for it was like he wants to make the adjunct when she gets there super mad and she's like not gonna think clearly. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, man. I mean, like, she was probably already mad. <laughs> right. What's 10,000 more people dead when you murdered people throughout the other six cities on this continent? Right. And this army that was just destroyed was like, well, I guess this wasn't supposed to be destroyed. Because Coltane's army was definitely, like, kind of a lost cause, like... I think they had already calculated that as gone. Um, but I think this army was actually like in the city walls and then Right. This was the yeah. the Aaron like garrison. Like garrison. Oh yeah. Okay. So maybe they're gonna be a little more pissed. But but we're talking about going from like a ten to a ten point one here on the grand scheme of things. Yeah. L- let me go back to the the previous battle. Um, this is going to be something really small. Mm. There's a note about, it's like kind of a description of how many people died and how bloody this battle was. Because mm-hmm. everyone dies like on the river and it's like the like the river ran into the sea and like blood was running out for like a week. That feels too long. That feels too long for mm-hmm. me. Now? That's a lot of bodies, yeah. Well, okay, are they saying that the river ran red for a week? Or it was just there was blood in the river for a week? I, th- Ooh, I, I think it was, it was red. just that there was... I, th- okay. I think it was yeah. red, though. And then they, they say how it turned black after a certain amount of time. This is a lot of dead bodies. Right? Yeah. For a week? like i i get that it's like washing out like the dead bodies are going to stay for a really long time Mm -hmm. and this is a weird nitpick (laughs) yeah kind of a dark nitpick here that i I should have avoided probably um it's a long time for there to be blood flowing through the river i don't know i i mean i kind of agree with you it doesn't seem like you would have bodies bleeding for like a whole week but then again, I don't know. I have no fucking idea. This is so far away. Sometimes when we're reading about these big battles, I'm thinking like, I will never ever really know what this is like, ever. Like, Right. But I'm curious though, if like Steven thought like, cause I actually, I have no idea mm-hmm. if this is realistic or not. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. Right. I'm not even really like commenting on being realistic. I'm just like, kind of commenting on how long that is yeah um i'm very curious if he like how much time he spent trying to figure out the right amount of time for this at a certain point it becomes a little too creepy right at a certain point when you're like hey honey honey all right if if thirty thousand people died and the river is flowing at a rate of two meters per second and we got a volume of ten thousand liters how many days? Because how much blood are in those 30,000 people? And then right. we've got to calculate. 
And it's just like, Stephen, just say a number. Just say a week. Just say a week. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Sure, maybe some idiots will comment about it, but it's going <laughs> to sound really stupid that they're even criticizing it. So I think you're fine. I think, yeah. Okay. If we, Stephen, when you come on the pod, uh, expect this question. Uh, the thing Stephen has nothing to defend uh, throughout this book are the insults that characters come up with to talk to each other. And the one that stands out to me as like one of the greatest ones from one of the worst characters is the treasurer calls, I think he calls Kalam an insolent crab's anus. Ooh, I missed this one. And I was very into this insult. It might not have been Kalam. It might have been Pearl, actually, that he calls an insolent crab's anus. But I had never even thought about a crab's anus before. And this string of, like, words had this image in my mind that, like, really popped for some reason. And I was like, that's, right. a, that's a good insult. That's a good insult because it's not just a regular crab, a regular crab's anus. It's like an insolent one, which is a whole other thing. Um, that's a good one. Right. Right. I'm, I'm now, like, putting, putting our treasure up a notch on the characters list because he was low. Yeah, he's pretty low. I honestly like it. There was a very brief moment in the sun for this guy, and that was it. Uh, right. The rest of his tenure was met with scorn from Dan. Uh, especially, okay, especially at the end of his life. Like, he's doing himself literally zero favors this whole time. His plan was to just use his special writ to take command of the ship and count on everyone going along with it even when they knew it's like kind of bullshit and on top of that he's gonna be an ass to literally everyone the whole time like he is not helping himself at all there is one there's one way he could go that was like hey i'm gonna be like kind of quiet just keep to myself Mm -hmm. and you know They'll follow me because I have this paper that says I'm in charge. But he, like, right. pushes like, it. <laughs> yeah, like, if this was your plan the whole time, mm-hmm. you would, if, if if I'm in his circumstance and I've, and I've got this plan, yeah. I'm going to act differently throughout the journey up until this point, I think. Right? Because, like, <laughs> as soon as something bad happens, everyone's going to be like, I fucking hope it was that guy because I hate him. Yeah. And can get rid of him. I want to throw him overboard immediately. Even if he didn't do right. it, I want to throw him overboard. <laughs> right. You got to make yourself wanted, right? If I'm a delight, everyone's going to be like, there's a lot of murder in Happen that's kind of weird, but that guy's, I like him, so I don't think it's him. He has great burns and he levels <laughs> them at all of the people that I hate. So I'm into him. <laughs> Very strategic. He's strategic with his burns. And I love him. But at the very least, you could just fade into the background. You could just, uh, I'm just here as another passenger. I'm not important at all. But instead, and I get that this is part of his character, which is why he's such a big dumb idiot, is that he feels like he runs everything and he's like in charge. Right. Oh, man. So stupid. So dumb. Very stupid. I, I do have a qualm with our ultimate treatment of him oh where they loaded him up with gold and 
send them to the bottom of the ocean. Why are you doing gold? You don't like. I get that it's poetic. It's a symbol, Luke. Like, it's a symbol, sure, but to who? To him. <laughs> He's dead. But like, okay. So what they do, right, yeah. is they tie bags of gold to like his arms and legs, I assume, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and drop them in, and those are the weights that like bring him down, and he drowns. Yes. It's just like you. You guys all could have done with that money. Um, okay. Fair, potentially fair point. I think it's poetic, but it's just not worth it. Here's the thing, though. Their ship was, like, way down in harbor because it had so much gold on board. Like, okay. the whole, like, the, this is something that Kalam notices when he gets on board is, like, this is a pretty heavy load we're towing. Uh, interesting. Interesting choice for a quick trip over to the mainland. Uh, and they're like, yeah, the treasurer is also coming on board. So clearly, like, the weight seems to be potentially an issue. And there's okay. so much gold on board anyway. And there's, like, think of how few people make it to shore of this crew. Right. I feel like underrated part of this, by the way, crew, very rich now. <laughs> crew are loaded. I don't know if they made it out of this alive because it sounds oh, like yeah, they got the kind of destroyed right when they made it into harbor finally. Which Man, like, what a roller coaster for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like <laughs> suddenly very wealthy. Then they get in the storm and they're like, we could all die. And then they finally make it to port. And they're like, I'm rich. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then the ship probably sinks and they all died. Um, yeah, pretty huge roller coaster for these fellows. Oh, man. Can we, okay, can we talk about something else with the treasurer, though? Sure, yeah. Okay. And this is a larger theme in this book. For once, we're going to talk about a theme, okay? Ooh. Because it's infuriating to me. And the theme that I want to talk about is authority who has authority why do they maintain authority where does it come from right the treasurer acts the way that he does because he thinks he has authority to get people to do what he wants right and it it turns out people were like actually he's trying to fuck us over so i'm not gonna do what what he says and so they like kind of mutiny in a way um the fucking high fist Porn, porn qual or something whatever asshole right like i as like duiker is sitting there being like uh these are all the wrong decisions and you're gonna this is gonna be a huge tragedy the whole time me not coming from any sort of military background is like just kill him like you could do it so quick you're already probably gonna die because he's gonna he's sentenced you to be executed and or worse kill him and then look at his commanders and be like okay well whoever's next in line it's your job so maybe you do what's best uh but he maintains his authority up until the point where he sacrifices ten thousand people and they're they go along with it like they all do it because he's in charge right like there's there's the entire Okay, so they've been here for, like, months. Mm-hmm. 
right? And the entire time, like, everyone in this army is, like, really wishing that he would go do right. stuff. Right, right. So he seems to have the support, like, understandably so, of, like, no one. Right, in his choice. Like, no one is supporting his actions. There really needs to be some kind of, like, petitioning system or, like, I don't know. You have imperial warrens and people can travel back and forth. Yeah. It's like, hey, I got the the complaint box has been overfilling for our boy. Maybe we should recall him and, like, send in someone that's not terrible. Uh-huh. Right. right. Because also, how lucky is our like traitor priest guy that he got the worst high fist of all time because his his like he's doing the little uh i forget the character's name but the lord of the rings guy yeah. where he's whispering in his ear yes but all grima of his, worm like, tongue he's doing a little grima right. worm tongue a little grima worm worm tongue action all of the advice is like clearly bad yes <laughs> It's like you couldn't at least have been a little bit reasonable. Right. Right. I get I get at the end that you're like, okay, we just gotta do this one thing and we've got it. But like throughout the last couple months, let's throw let's throw the people a little bit of a bone mm. so that they don't revolt. I mean, he got lucky that they didn't revolt. Right. This is my whole deal. Do you see what I'm saying? This is my yeah, no, no, no. Totally. Like the priest guy should have been giving like Yes, bad advice, but not so bad that they're just doing what everybody hates. But it sounds like everybody in Aaron has just been like, we need to go help these people. And the only person who's been against it is the high fist. And this priest who is like telling him not to. If he'd have been like, oh, yeah, we'll send out a scouting party in the wrong direction. But yeah, a scouting party, right? At least like little things. Then maybe there would have been some like, oh, he's trying. You know, he's at least trying. We're not going to be as pissed. This is my whole deal is like, I get that he's been given authority as a high fist to do a thing, but like authority is given by people doing what you say to do and not murdering you. Like, like the thing, okay. Think about the difference with one arm, one arms army, right? One arms army. They're like loyal to him till death. They will, like, do whatever he says. He goes in open rebellion of the Empress, which is, like, where his authority comes from. And his whole army is like, oh, yeah, that's dope. Granted, like, yes, I know that it's, like, a secret. It's a separate rebellion. But his army doesn't know that, right? Right. His army is just like, cool. I'm with you, dog. Like, his authority comes from the fact that he's, like, competent. He's, like, cares about his troops, all that stuff. And even then, within his army, when they're in pale commanders and like high up high ranking officials are getting assassinated like like the authority in his army is purely coming from like who is doing a good job and like seems to want me around whereas the oh god this high fist in the seven cities continent i do i don't understand why they're so beholden to his authority when he's just like making all the wrong choices and all you have to do is stab him like twice and he's done and like and to compare and to contrast him with coltane which like coltane has a similar authority to one arm right where he's like 
he's clearly looking out for the people that he is watching over. He is like uh, putting himself on the front lines, like putting himself in harm's way. Uh, he is like a soldier, right? He is like out there in the thick of it, you know, trying stuff. Uh, and so he's like earned the authority to have like a death like hill, like where everybody gathers around him and is like, yeah, we're going to we're in it to the end my dog right uh it's just like that makes sense to me like i understand allowing that person to have authority over me because like they've earned it right they've earned it but these other people haven't earned the authority but they feel like they can still do it and apparently they can (laughs) right like well okay do you think that i don't know if it said this i don't think so was this high fist like under some kind of spell so maybe it doesn't say whether or not he was based on his like vibe when we finally meet him he seems he seems to have a similar vibe that the captain did on the the ship when kalam and the captain when they're sailing and they're in the storm and it's just like a bunch of nonsense like it doesn't mean a whole lot of stuff and apparently there was somebody kind of manipulating things yeah, I I don't I didn't quite like I see what you're saying. I didn't quite get the same vibe, but my right. the the reason I ask is because like how is this guy a high fist? Because presumably, like I understand that some places have like nepotism mm-hmm. and like not equal opportunity and that kind of thing. But to be a high fist mm-hmm. in the Malazan army, mm-hmm. I imagine you have to be at least like pretty confident or pretty competent right and in these scenes he's like in the whole book basically he's like terrible right he's like completely feckless like so i can't tell if maybe he at some point was good and he's like under Mm. some kind of like thing that's making him bad so everyone's like "Eh," i mean like i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because he's been right before I see. I see. I think there is potential that that's true. Um, I think it could also just be that he's a much better peacetime fist than a wartime fist. Like, maybe he's much better at the, like, subtle manipulations of power when there's not, Mm -hmm. like, a big battle to be fought or any huge decisions to make. But he's very good at, like, keeping just enough of a coalition to keep him in power while also enriching himself. Right, because he keeps the fleet there, right? Like, he takes the Admiral prisoner, essentially, to keep the fleet there and, like, sends the whole treasury away to his... Presumably, he thinks he's going to get it. And so that, to me, speaks... Like, he is competent in the, like, political side of things. Like, maintaining a certain kind of soft power. But, yeah, when it comes down to, like making a tough choice in a life or death situation he's not the guy that's that's fair but i mean like yes i i i think that that might be it um i will say you gotta have two positions you gotta have you gotta have a military man and like a mayor or like governor come on um yes yeah absolutely (laughs) the the biggest thing for this and uh, we don't have to keep talking about this, but like the scene where they're surrounded 
And the enemy is like, yeah, if you guys put down your weapons, it'll be fine. <laughs> Come on. They already did this once. Like, granted, that wasn't to you guys, but I feel like you probably heard about it. Well, and, like, here's the other thing. They've heard what these guys have done to just, like, civilians, right? You, granted, the high fist, it was the high fist who was making all of these decisions. So I imagine a lot of the soldiers were like, hey, is he really going to let us just get murdered right now? Oh, he is? Oh, you want me to pass my sword? Take a sword and pass it out? Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll just take this big pile of swords and pass it out to the outside of our circle. And, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to die. Oh, for sure, for sure. But uh, For sure, for sure. Yeah, I'll just pass my sword then. Yeah, totally cool. Um, yeah, because you heard what they were doing to all of the people that they encountered. Like it was a, it's been a slaughter the whole time. It's never, they've <laughs> never been like, oh yeah, we get that the, we've had some political differences with your empire in the past, so we're gonna resolve this peacefully. No, it's been like blood. There, there will be blood on the sand, and that's it. Right. So stupid, Luke. There's another line in this book, I think, where they're talking about how the Malazan Empire or like army has been so good because they let the soldiers think. Not this one. <laughs> not this army, I guess. Well, then, not to put things on the soldiers because I don't want to. Yeah. But it contradicts. Well, there's it, contradicts it contradicts a line that comes later as well because at the end of the book a character i don't remember which character is talking about the like greatest strength of the malazan army was because they were able to like follow orders and their strict like order thing and that also turned out to be their greatest weakness here and i think that those two lines i those are both in it in the book but Mm -hmm. your line was early in this book and this line was at the end and they do i think they do contradict each other right like for sure. Following orders and thinking for yourself are like somewhat in conflict with each other. Um, but yeah, it's it's rough. The ending of this book was so rough from that perspective. Like the Coltane perspective of this book sucked so bad. I hated it. Right. I want to say one last thing about this, which is just like nobles. It's getting ridiculous okay this was the other thing with the authority yes i think this falls in the same camp of like how do these authority how do these nobles think they can do anything like we're killing the nobles you're done i'm tired of it or we're letting them die we're just you know what nobles take your carriages uh you know scout out for us we hear there's a cool uh orange grove right up the road uh but if all the refugees get there they're going to eat them before you so you should really you should get after it. And then you just don't protect them with your horses. You just kind of let them, let them go. Big, big mistake by the weasel clan earlier in this book where they sacrifice some of the refugees. Those should have been, those should have been the nobles. Immediately the nobles. We got to let them be bait for sure. Come on. Come on. It's too much, what? you guys. Like you've been on this experience for months. Learn some perspective at some point. And, like, to me, in my understanding of what it means to be a noble in this whole situation is, like, you've got a lot of money, okay? And, like, I get in a normal circumstance that would give you a lot of power. But, like, my 
All of my family died of dehydration yesterday. I don't care how much money you have. I'm not cooking you dinner. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. And if you try and hurt me, I'm going to either hit back or just walk away. I'm just, I'm not going to sit here and let you do this to me. And all these other servants who you have, I'm going to be like, why are any of you doing this? What is the money worth? You have to carry it. It's heavy. I don't get I don't get the whole nobles thing in this. So dumb. I hate it. I hate it. And I guess so I guess there's like a there's kind of a twisted sort of hope in keeping them around. Like the fact that Coltane doesn't just let them get murdered because they're annoying to him is like a twisted kind of hope that they will make it to a city and like things will go kind of back to normal. Um mm-hmm. And, like, Coltane isn't necessarily trying to, like, shake up the, the the class system, which, you know, maybe would be a great thing to do. But he's more just concerned with, like, getting everyone to safety. Um, and so there's, like, kind of a sick, like, hope that they will make it by keeping right. these nobles around and not just getting rid of them because they're annoying. But, God, I would have gotten rid of them in a second. <laughs> Freaking freaking guys or um at the very least throw them into the thick of things like you did with that little dog and then just like see if they flourish because the the lap dog that gets thrown in with the cattle dogs apparently crushed it y- yes i crushed it in like i don't know if it was actually like contributing in a substantial <laughs> way other than like humor and um, morale, right. maybe Great for morale the dogs. <laughs> but yeah, good for good for that guy, that little doggy. Um, okay, let's let's move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I wanted to just say, and this is at the end, but since you mentioned like Coltane mm-hmm. dying and everything, mm-hmm. we kind of don't lose many main characters. I was thinking about this at the end of the book too. Yeah. Because if I'm reading it correctly, Coltane gets his soul like remade Mm -hmm. or like taken and it's going to put into this uh, like new child, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, Something new is happening with our historian. Seems like he's going to make it. Yeah. It sounds like his soul got put into the little flask that he had Mm -hmm. and they're going to restore him. Mm hmm. So we're coming out kind of, kind of well. This is like a common vibe in these Malazan books so far, where our main characters will get reborn in some way, right? Like Tattersail from the last one, a little bit of rebirth action. Uh, Peron, mm-hmm. dead and came back to life. So it, it seems like there's a lot of resurrection vibes for some of the big characters here. Um, we do still lose a lot of characters, though, Luke. Granted, there's not oh, sure. not a lot of main characters. Actually, we lose a lot of main characters, too, along the way, not all at the end, right? Yeah. Like, especially with know. the Felicin group. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so... <sighs> But I, I I think with the like the the, the overall story was super dark, right? Mm-hmm. 
but I think that we came out of it at the end with more people alive than I was expecting. More I more hope than we were expecting at the end of like, oh, these cool yes. characters are kind of still around. Right. 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 Although in like the Col- Coltane thing is going to be in a super weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Also scoreboard, by the way, for Coltane over uh, that other that other uh, warlock. Uh, right. The other warlock had like eleven crows. Coltane's got like a thousand. Yeah, I think definitely scoreboard there. That's a lot of crows. That's a big soul, baby. It's a big soul. Oh, the thing I didn't quite get about that. So the other one was like Sormo, I think was his name. Mm-hmm. And when he died, it was a bunch of butterflies. Did that still work? Or were they like, oh, no, it's not going to work? I th- I think it still worked. Uh-huh. And what, it's just why it took more butterflies. Uh, right? Because he was, like, covered in butterflies. So it's like, you know, each crow can take one-tenth of a soul. It's like, ah, the butterflies are a little bit smaller. So I see. Take like one thousandth each or something. I see what you're saying. I kind of hope that it has an impact on their personality when they're reborn a little bit. Like Ooh. Coltane's pretty similar, still kind of dark, brooding, like into fighting and war. But when Sormo comes back, he's just like a bundle of joy and positivity the whole time. Like sickeningly positive the whole time. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I would love that. Like just another beautiful day here on on the earth with these spirits. So blessed. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. For sure. Yeah, we might be running out of water and food, but you know what? Another day is just like a gift in itself. Hashtag blessed. I, I'm hoping for that. I think that that's a good thing. Also, why are we always using crows if we can just pick and choose? I know. I feel like the dogs would have been a good example as well. Dogs apparently made it out pretty okay. Yeah. Although crows are so badass, dude. I, yeah, but like, I don't want a crow. You know what I mean? <laughs> if I'm choosing, which maybe there's not a choice, uh, but like in my will. Yeah, what's in let's there? Say, I, so I haven't thought about it quite well enough, <laughs> but it's not crows. Is it's totally a- not crows. I feel like it's got to be a bird, especially if you're like potentially dying on the battlefield, because like odds are it's going to happen quick. And I'm going to need I'm going to need some something there to take my soul right quickly. If we're doing if we're doing birds, I feel like there are plenty of better options than crows. Like pigeons. Give me like, (laughs) yeah, give me a pigeon. Give me like some falcons. That's cool. Granted, there's not like a ton altogether. (laughs) But I have a small soul. I'm willing to say it. <laughs> right. It might only even take one. half a falcon. Right. Yeah. Falcon would be cool. Um, I think vulture for me. You know, everybody expects it anyway to be coming around. And so they're not going to be like, kill every vulture you see to keep them from taking his soul. It's just going to mm. be like, yeah, that's just that's what they do. So this is more of a practical choice. It's a sneaky practical choice, yeah. Okay, I think that's a good call. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we leave the whole chain of dogs? Yes. I want to talk about something else, because the chain of dogs thing was so depressing at the end, like super rough. 
rough way to end that whole chain of dogs. I guess they made, they got the refugees in. Okay, I said we're going to leave. The last thing I want to say about this. The reason why it was such a bummer, and this might be callous, I didn't care at all about the refugees. (laughs) I know that's bad to say. I know that's terrible to say. I would have, I cared way more about our characters we heard about in the army, and I cared way more if they lived or died than any of the refugees. Well, okay, yes. I mean, like, I get it, because we don't meet any of the refugees. Right. The only refugees we meet are, like, the nobles. <laughs> Who I was ex- I was rooting for to die, yes. <laughs> so, yes, I get it. I very much agree. The refugees thing is more of, like, a a goal that we're trying to attain, but there's not like a ton of emotional connection Mm -hmm. to it. Right. Right. Like it was like, it was great in the sense that they achieved their goal. Like Coltane did something that was thought to be impossible, but it was terrible because he, he and all of his good, cool buddies died making it happen. Right. Right. And that just sucked guys. All right. Let's move. Let's Let's move move on, on, please. Something we mentioned last episode. And once again, we don't need to spend a ton of time with this, okay? But quick, Ben, label your shit. Just put a label on it, please. It takes no time to explain what it does. Right. Literally none. I I get it. I get it. What it does makes a lot of sense. Um, don't be so cryptic about all this, please. Especially with the, like, glass vial or whatever. They're all speculating about what it does. And Coltane's like, you take it. I don't care. I don't want some, like, glass-saving thing. I'm too cool for that. I'm going to get a bunch of crows, so I'm actually fine. Uh, (laughs) I already arranged it. I've already talked to the crows about it, so you should take it, (laughs) Duiker. And, like, Duiker didn't even know what it was supposed to do. He accidentally broke exactly. it. Exactly. It wasn't on purpose. Which maybe there's a little bit of Opan coming in here with some of these things that are happening. Some of these, uh, maybe the uh, face of Opan is smiling on some of these people. But right, right. but like if there was just a label that it was like, uh, come back to life potion. Yeah. Because then like someone would look for it. Like I get that we had these these little monkey guys coming around. But if there's a label, be like, hey, uh, Steve, you're staying behind. Uh, I'm going to break this bottle. Right. Come find it after I get crucified because <laughs> it's going to save me. It's necessary to save me. Yeah. Yeah. That, and again, Kalam uses a rock that he, I don't think it's described what it, it's used for. And he's just like, oh, I can talk to Quick Ben now. Okay, well. And Quick Ben's like, wait, you're not even there yet? Oh, dude, bad move. So, yeah, this is all on Quick Ben. Label your shit, please. Label, yeah. This is day one stuff. Label your vials. (laughs) Your reagents. Got to. Got to. Oh, by the way, one thing that we forgot to bring up at the beginning of this, uh, (laughs) we completely screwed up last episode because the, like, right where we stopped. Yes is where we thought that Absalar was going to become Shaikh. Oh, no, no, no. We did not screw that up. That uh, was a twist. I don't think we said it. That was a twist that happened. Yes, yes. But I, okay, yes, it was a twist, but I want to acknowledge that we got fooled by the twist. We got completely bamboozled, 100%, yes. 
Big bamboos. And I'll say great twist. Mm-hmm. I did not see it coming at all. Great twist. Um, let's talk about what happened with Absalar and the fam in this okay. whole like maze that they go into. So, right, they go into this maze that apparently traps a bunch of really powerful creatures and gods and stuff. And the idea, Fiddler wants to go in because the gate is there so they could get to um, the dead house gates, like they can teleport there, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, Mappo wants to go because he's supposed to like put Icarium in there. Mm-hmm. And Icarium's like, oh yeah, I should go in there because I'm a terrible dude. So lock me up for sure. Um, right. Wh- what was Pust's deal? Did you ever figure out what never... Pust's deal was with this thing? I don't know. Maybe I missed it, but like he seemed like he had a bunch of things going on. I think the overarching thing was just to like not to like set a false trail so that the shapeshifters mm-hmm. could not actually ascend. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't know what beyond that there was. Right. It sounded like there was a lot of plans that he had. And even at the end, I was like, I have, still don't know what the fuck he was up to. <laughs> um, But okay, so they, they get into this place and pretty quickly they all decide that they're not going to give up a carrium to this like thorny tree prison. And it sounded like Pust was a little upset about that. So maybe Pust wanted him to get locked up. Like Pust was chanting, lock him up. And the rest of them were like, eh, no, it's it's over, dude. I'm not doing that. Um, it's really inappropriate. <laughs> but like they make it to like the the house in the middle or whatever. I didn't understand what the house was. I think it's just like the center of it. Okay. Like that's the actual like Azath or however it's pronounced. I see. Okay. Like when it first comes up, that's the whole thing. And I guess that they're they're connected in some way. Mm-hmm. But like nobody knows anything about the Azath. Right. Right. Okay. So we can't really say much. Okay. So it's just like a potential place of power then that's like. And they're, like, connected, so you can, like, potentially move between them from the house. Um, right. Okay. Okay. And they have little guardians that do that do stuff that we don't know. That do stuff, yeah. yes. Okay, so talking about this house now. Super small. I just love how Absalar goes up to the door and uh, yanks on it at first, and then it doesn't work, so she pushes on it. Like, the door is actually a push instead of a pull, and that's all that she would have to do to, like, actually get in. I just, I love that reasoning. Smart. Mm -hmm. You gotta try it, at least. What's the deal with Moby, though? I don't know. Okay. This is what I didn't quite understand. It seems like he's a demon. Yes. Like, a really powerful one. Yes, and, like, apparently it can take another form. So, like, Moby normally looks like one of these, like, flying monkey lemur things. And then he can also be a really huge, powerful demon when he wants. I 
I don't know. I didn't see evidence of him being a huge, powerful demon. No, which is a very funny, like, f- fiction if you think about the fact that he's just a monkey. And they're right. like, oh, yeah, he's got to be super powerful. That's why that's why they want him. That's why the Azath want him as a guardian for this place. Meanwhile, he's just like a, a monkey. Right. I mean, maybe he is a Solotakin. I don't think it was confirmed whether mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. Well, he never. we but... never see him transform. Yeah. Right. Um, but I was into it. I was also into it. I was also like, uh, Crocus has got to be a little pissed, right? Because his uncle, who was the owner of this thing, died in a magnificent way. And maybe Moby could have done something. <laughs> right. But instead, Moby was just like, ah, I'm going to piss on the floor and eat a kumquat or whatever. Right. Well, maybe, I mean, could have been part of the plan. I will say, evidence here that... You can find a way to get rid of the the little spicy smell. Wait, I don't know if Moby is necessarily a shapeshifter. Yes, but he doesn't have the spicy spell. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Iskarol Pust's new partner in crime, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Divers, I think, mm-hmm. that was sneaky and didn't smell like cinnamon or whatever. That's true. So, so you can you can you can get around it. There are ways to get around it. Yes, I. <laughs> They just have to fight the find the right combination of cologne. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or deodorant. Yeah, or or a combination of the two. Yeah. Can we can we also talk about Kalam and his whole thing? Uh yeah. You mean going to murder the Empress? Going to murder the Empress. I wanna say cool plan that the Empress had mm-hmm. for like the actual fake uh outlawing of Dujek. Yes. Pretty cool plan. Like that. Mm-hmm. I Kalam is convinced very easily. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I also noticed this. Um and I'm it's it's not a hundred percent clear to me if he's like fully convinced. Right. I think that's ambiguous, right? Because I think he realizes that she's not even there. So mm-hmm. he's not gonna be killing her regardless. Right. So, I don't know. Good good for the Empress. She seems... I There's, like, ways that she seems really capable and ways that she, people think that she's not. So it's... I don't, I don't know. I, I'm starting to think that she's actually, like, much better than everyone thinks that she is. Mm-hmm. But I also want to say, because you were amazed at how good Kalam was last last episode. Even better than, than we thought. I was getting incredibly hyped during this last scene where Kalam is just running through the streets of old Malas, just murdering claws left and right. I was so into this. And he's like reduced his body temperature to where they can't see him with their like heat vision goggles. And like, right. Kalam is the greatest assassin of all time. Seriously. He's like lost most of his blood. (laughs) A lot of it's gone. Yeah. And, had a confrontation with the Empress and done all of these things, almost drowned. And then Topper is like, you actually think that the claws are going to succeed? Like, yeah, I still like 40 of them, but still. Excuse me? Right. What did we have him doing before? Oh, he was digging he a was like tunnel a... under pale? He was digging <laughs> he a was tunnel. Like a corporal? What are we doing? I, I don't know. Yeah, Kalam fucking rules, and I'm so into it. Uh, 
all all the bridge burners seem to be incredibly powerful right like fiddler Clown. seems to be very good and he also has something there where we don't really know his whole deal yet um like yeah he's a yes. sapper but there's something else with fiddler fiddler's just really like, fiddler's just really cool i think where like all of the powerful people are like god fiddler's awesome <laughs> But I don't see, other than being like good with a crossbow mm-hmm. and having some good with, with bombs on his crossbow as well, I don't see much other than him just being cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like there have been a few instances where people have like identified something extra about him, but I don't remember what. And I think that it's he's cool. It's that he's just like cool. Mappo, for example, at one point is like something about this guy. You think he's just got the cool factor? I think he's just cool. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what? I'm fine with that. I'm I'm really glad we got a lot of Fiddler in this book because in mm. Gardens of the Moon, we didn't get a ton of Fiddler at all. Right. And he's great. He's he's great. Okay, so we've got Fiddler. Very, very cool. Um, we've got Kalam, the greatest fighter of all time. Mm-hmm. We've got Quick Ben the greatest wizard of all time but could we've got some notes including label your reagents right um yeah the the bridge burners at least the ones we've gotten a lot of so far have been very impressive Mm -hmm. this is at least this squad of bridge burners right this is like a championship squad though yeah for sure absolutely um all top draft picks right of course uh Someone else that we get this book that I'm really hoping we get a little bit more of uh, in future books. Corpolan or Carpolan, the merchant who just like comes in, does a little deus ex machina a few times where he just appears out Mm. of nowhere and is like, here's a bunch of food and water that you need. Or like, here's a bunch of explosives set from your friends. Right. This the, the little like the little caravan that can travel that takes like these super dangerous uh FedEx trips. Yes, exactly. I would love to get either like uh his perspective for one of these books or mm. maybe a little short story that's just their perspective of this trading group and like the wild shit that's being sent through this dangerous territory and like what's happening there right yeah i mean it was very cool and i will say this merchant had the vibe that i wanted for the guy who was pretending to be a goldsmith did you notice this he had diamond studded teeth and i was like yeah this is exactly what the fake goldsmith should have looked like in darugistan right he had the look yes he for sure had the look of a rich guy and i loved it i loved his whole vibe very into it I do love the, cause the, the like kind of o- the overweight guy with all the jewels and like super rich looking is often ridiculed. Well, it's DJ Khaled, right? right? It's, it's DJ Khaled, but it's, is often like the, the not bad guy, but the like kind of sucky rich dude that everybody hates. Mm-hmm. Not DJ Whereas Khaled. In though. this case, <laughs> right. Whereas in this case, he seems like he's actually like kind of crushing it. 
Yeah, he's got charisma for sure, which I think you have to have if you're a merchant, right? If you're a merchant or a trading person, like you've got to, you're, you're selling something. So you've got to be able to wheel and deal and, and get people to well, like if you. You're, if you're a salesman, sure. Yeah. 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 Can we talk about, sh- what are we going with? Shake? Shike? I, I still can't remember. Shike? Shike. Whatever. Whatever. Can we talk about Shike? Yes. Okay. The army that she creates, that she has at her bidding, is constantly surrounded by huge whirlwind. That's like her thing, the whirlwind. And there's constantly this thing that's like going, circling around her army. I feel like we need to develop some additional rules about this army because of the fact that there's constantly a whirlwind around you. My example, and then we can see if there's some other ones we have to develop. My example is that uh, nose picking becomes okay. Because I don't know about you, if you like whenever I'm like a super dusty area for a long period of time, the biggest boogers I've ever seen. <laughs> My nose is just like okay. sucking up all the detritus out of the air and forming it into some pretty big boogers. And like, yeah, I can blow my nose to get some of them out, but some of them are just stuck in there, and you got to dig around a little mm. bit. Okay, okay, and that's fair. I've got, I've got one. Okay, sure. I think that everyone gets free chapstick. Ooh, yes, chapstick has got to be complimentary. Yeah, because the air is yeah. so dry, right? So dry, so windy. Oh, boy, that is rough, too. That is really rough. Got to be free chapstick for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm into that. I'm into that. Also, um, you have to apologize if you initiate a handshake and you shock somebody. Because I imagine there's going to be a lot of static electricity building up. Sure, yeah. So there's like an etiquette for when you shock somebody by initiating contact that you have to be like, Oh, zapped you or something like that. There's like a little phrase that you say. Hundred percent. Um, I am curious if like there's ways to get through that are easy. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, like, where's my where's if we're bringing in some food or something? Like, I get that they're in this oasis, mm-hmm. but. It just seems inconvenient. It, it This is my level. main thing is it seems super inconvenient. And like if I'm a part of an army, I would get kind of sick of it after a while because it's just like all I can see is sand and it looks right. all the same all the time. And yeah, I get it. It's, it's like I moved to this oasis for the view. And, and like I get that we're doing a whole apocalypse thing, but I didn't realize my property values were going to go so low. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, I mean, they do mention at one point that it will like scour the flesh off of your bones if you try and walk through it. So it seems like it's a pretty good defensive barrier. But also, God, this is the other thing about this. Why do you need a defensive barrier? There's literally one city that's even still standing anymore. And you're like one of the biggest armies still on the continent. No one's coming to attack you. 
Right. I, uh, it's very intimidating. I, I like the, I mean, it has a vibe. I don't, I was about to say I like the vibe. I don't even think I really like the vibe that much. But it is, it's a big mood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm joining up. Well, I imagine you have to, right? Like the whirlwind starts and you're like, uh, oh, shoot. Uh, wasn't really into the whole apocalypse thing. Oh, we're moving. Uh, can I just say, yeah, it's rude. It's rude, right? (laughs) It's a big assumption, right? She's not even checking in with everyone to be like, hey, we're all cool with this apocalypse thing, right? Okay. Everybody close your eyes. So no one can can tell who's into it. Raise your hand if you're not into it. All right. Keep your eyes closed, everybody. No looking. I promise it's fine. It's fine. I'll let you leave, okay? But we're gonna put up a giant whirlwind, and you're not gonna be able to leave once we get started. So, I need to know. Yeah, I think it's inconsiderate. I mean, probably not the biggest crime, but <laughs> one of many. We'll add it to the list. Perspective has shifted, so. Uh, yeah, add it yeah. to the list for sure. Um, I do think it's exciting for for Felison, aka Shaikh to like have the the power to match her like inner monologue her, and like cynicism. Yeah, her inner turmoil has become outer turmoil. Right, because because before, you know, like in this section we got to a point or even before, we got to a point that it wasn't purely like her trying to survive her trauma. She sort of had like a little bit of like let's call it wisdom because like she was having this like deep thoughts um but i think that if she hadn't become shaikh those those quote unquote deep thoughts would have been not nearly as cool as mm-hmm. they are now mm-hmm. right well she i i kind of like how she even acknowledges it in a subtle way of like yeah that's why i've got hebron around he's the wise one Mm-hmm. And it's like Haboric. Thank you, Haboric, is is the wise one. So like, gotta have him around. Right. I still I thought we were gonna get more of an answer to like what's going on with Haboric, but maybe that's a future book. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Who is this green guy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any of his deal. Um, also, I didn't realize he was just going blind in the last section. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently he just had his eyes open in the sand for a little too long and was then just now blind. Seems like right. a problem. Yeah, that happened suddenly for me as well. Yeah. And I get it that it was like, I get it that that's what happened. It just felt like the consequences of that thing wouldn't be as drastic. Compared to all the other terrible injuries that people have experienced in this book, I didn't think ha- keeping your eyes open in the sand and letting them dry out a little bit was going to make you go blind. But whatever. It sounds like it's not gotta, really that big of an issue for him. So we're reading the next book, Luke. But mm-hmm. before we get on to that, and we'll give we'll give longer reviews at the end of our, of our Malazan book of the summer, quick reviews on Dead House Gates um much darker 
than our last book. Significantly darker. Um, But I'll say because of that, the emotional stakes for for me were much higher. Like, Coltane dying at the end for me was, like, kind of a bummer. Like, I was... Sure. I was I felt that one much more than any of the like deaths or anything that happened in the last book. Um, so I think the stakes were higher here and I appreciated it. I I think that that's kind of true for me as well. But uh, I don't know. Sorry, I know this is supposed to be fast, but um okay, so I liked the book. I think that I actually liked Gardens of the Moon a little bit more maybe because it was less dark but i I also think that the chain of dogs thing i know that it was meant to be super intense and it was it was just a little bit too long and too much of the story for me and we were doing we were doing a lot of the same things over and over Mm -hmm. again um but i get that it was like building up a whole thing anyway it was good i would have liked it to be a little bit less I, less depressed. <laughs> I agree. And actually, to be fair, uh, I there were quite a few river crossings that were contested for the chain of dogs. And like, it was a lot. It was a lot of contested river crossings to get where they were going. Um, it felt like we were getting a lot of the same thing over and over again. Yes. The, like, I, sure. I mean, that's, I guess, the landscape and the process, but... Yes. Yeah, that's my that's my that's my view. I got But you. okay, yeah. Next week we're going on to book three, Memories of Ice, I believe is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Gonna be gonna be a good one, I think. I'm excited it's for it. It's a cool it, name. Cool name. I remember Ice. I... <laughs> it's important. It's important to um yeah, we're looking forward to it. And uh, we'll be back next week with a fresh batch of hot takes still being dumb nerds. 